Kia ora and welcome. This is the New Zealand Wine Podcast. I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us in this episode where we're covering Burgundy in France, part one of our trip around the Burgundy region. You may well ask why we're talking about French wine on the New Zealand Wine Podcast, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, there's the undeniable prominence and importance of French wine both today and historically. And secondly, we were keen to provide a very accessible, basic introduction 101, if you like, to French wine. So we certainly hope this serves that purpose. As I said, this is part one of a three-part series on the Burgundy region in France, and we're speaking with Jean-Christophe Poisard, who's an importer and distributor of French wine in New Zealand, and also Mark Today who you will hear uh, has very extensive knowledge of French wine and quite a connoisseur. So right now, let's have a chat with Jean-Christophe and Mark. Uh, so welcome Jean-Christophe and Mark. Nice to have you both with us again here. Thanks Boris. Thank and you Boris. so uh, the Burgundy region. So perhaps uh, Jean-Christophe, you could just give us an, an overview of, of how that uh, region is made up. Yeah, sure. I think what's important um, to mention, I think, is that um, Burgundy has to be the most sophisticated uh, one region in uh, in France, I think. Um Burgundy has the potential to make to make some of the most um, refined, some of the most complex, some of the most elegant, and some of the most expensive wine probably in the world. Um, where um, we got to start is to explain maybe a little bit where it is located, because um, that makes um, that ma- where it is is probably what makes this region uh, one of the most sophisticated one region. So we are very much kind of a center of France. Um, it starts in the little um, village of Chablis, uh, which is about 150 kilometers south of the. Uh, of uh, of Paris and uh, and Chablis holds the the key of uh, of Burgundy. This is where it all starts, and uh, and then you go to go right down south to um, really uh, to the outskirt of uh, of Lyon, the the third largest city of France, uh, with a Beaujolais uh, one region. So it's quite it's quite a vast um, a vast uh, um, um, area, but uh, again, it's a very very narrow strip of uh, of vineyards. It's following a little bit the uh, the contour of uh, of um, of the famous um, slopes, um, the golden slopes of uh, of of Burgundy. And because it's a, a very, very narrow strip of vineyard, then from north to south or from south to north, uh, you would get a, a, a large variety of, uh, of, of styles and, uh, and, um, and uh, cépages, so grape varieties, uh, will, be, will, uh, will differ a little bit from the north to the south. So I think um, what we've got to, um, to uh, know also about this region is a little bit of a history, thanks um, thanks. It is really thanks to the um, to the monks that uh, that Burgundy it's so um, so special um, in the 11th and 12th century. This is a region which were uh, which was um, dominated by um, by the monks and uh, by the two churches or the two orders, shall I say, uh, the Benedictine and the and the Cistercians uh, monks and uh, and and these guys um, had an amazing um, knowledge of the land they were working. And um, and they they 
they didn't have any books to tell them you know how to work that land and and to know that land they because they were writing the book so but by just working the land uh themselves then passing on their knowledge to to the next generation uh they had already in the 12th century 11th and 12th century they had a great great knowledge of all those wonderful um uh, lieu dit, climat, as we say in uh, in in uh, in the Burgundian um, dialect or or, or, or t- yeah, the terminology, I suppose, of Burgundy, uh, these wonderful uh, single blocks of land who are touching each other, but yet they can be so or can express such a different uh, notion or terroir notion that uh, that um, that what makes Burgundy so so sophisticated and so complex. And and these guys, these these monks, um, knew that already. And we're still working with this. It's quite incredible, really, when you think about it. We are still working on the same um, map, uh, vineyard map, uh, climat map, that, uh, that they did um, 11th and 12th century. It's quite incredible, isn't it, when you uh, when you look at it? Absolutely. I mean, I think that is the glory of Burgundy, and um, mm. it's it's actually it's actually hard for me to to think of another region that really encapsulates the ideas of terroir yeah. quite so well. Um, one region that comes to mind is perhaps Barolo. I mean, I yes. think I think you look at the. Uh, the clima in mm. in Barolo, um, what part of the hill, what mm. vineyard, mm. and um, Barolo freaks are very much like Burgundy freaks in that regard because you really get a sense of this bottle expressing a specific place on the planet, yes. and it is yeah. it, it's extraordinary. So that's that's why people chase this. That's stuff. a very good point, and we say very often that Barolo is the is the Burgundian of Italy, isn't it? Yeah, people say that. I don't, I don't get it ex- ex- except for it's. Not the style, no. not the style. Yeah. Mind you, a very no, maybe not even. But but just like you say, this notion of uh, of terroir is yeah. uh, is is in it's is the same in Barolo. And and so like sorry, you said, maybe can you just explain yeah. a little bit on Barolo? Well, well Barolo is a different grape, a different country, um, a different climate, um, and I think also a different style. Um, it, it's made of the Nebbiolo grape. Um, it's from the Piedmont region in Italy. Um, these wines, there are some similarities with uh, Pinot Noir in that they're not really about mm. color. Mm, yeah, they, they, don't, right. they don't nece- necessarily normally have huge colors to them. Um, and perhaps like Pinot Noir, they're a, a, they express a lot through their nose. Um, so the, the aromas are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But uh, taste is so different and... Uh, Barolas are just savagely tannic in, yes. a, in a way that Burgundy's right, just... Burgundy doesn't have that, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, I, I, don't want, I don't want to muddy things here, but I, I just, just thinking about, you know, a region that is just so identified with the idea of expressing terroir. Right. That's the only okay. one I can think of. That okay. No, no, that's, you're mm. spot on. And mm. I think, and, and what I like to say, and, and Barolo would be exactly the same, is the grapes are ripen by the soil rather than by the sun yeah I think it's it's you know like Barolo Burgundy wines are very much um, an expression of of a terroir with a capital T yeah. 
that very other region in the world, really, in the world, yes. can, can, can claim that. And that's why, that's why Burgundy is all about, really. And, and is that true of the whole region? Because it's, as you say, it's stretched down yeah. through some different areas? Yeah, people tend to generalize. I, I don't think that um, in the south you will get such an, a terroir expression. But, and again, you know, you've got to be very careful. There are, some place, there are some places in the south which will have a little bit of this terroir notion. But it's, it's a little bit more um, minuscule to compare with, uh, with a Côte d'Or. Really, and then we, we're going to go through this, this to explain what the Côte d'Or is and, and Chablis to some extent, where really this is the heart of this, uh, of this terroir notion. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, you probably can say, yes, it is all Burgundy, but in, in different degrees, maybe. Is that right? Can you say that? Yeah, different I, I th- degrees. I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, We've been talking about terroir, but one of the reasons why Burgundy is so special is that it has two noble grapes to deal mm. with uh, in mm. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Mm. These, these are grapes that are absolutely transparent. Yes. Um, when grow, grown in the right place, they are fully expressive of their site. Yes. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, and once again, uh, because the location of, uh, of Burgundy, we are right, like I said, in the center of France, where we, um, there's no major... Uh, rivers uh, crossing it, except a little bit maybe of a, the, the Saône River, but that's a little bit further south in the in the Beaujolais region, but in the Maconnais. Uh, um, I think um, my 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 points there was uh, was just to um, to be in the in the fact that um, uh, the 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 clarity of the light uh, in Burgundy is quite unique, and and a lot of Burgundian guys will tell you that. What makes Burgundy so special is one is the terroir and two is the, is the light. It's, it's the actual clarity of the light. In Burgundy, the sky is always very low. It's, it's not the sky of a Loire Valley where you got this Loire River providing a lot of energy. You got the, Medi- the um, Atlantic Ocean providing this haziness. And this is where you get the high stud effect. In Burgundy, is not. Burgundy is all very very low very close to the to the soil right you know? okay and is that because of the elevation or just no how it no because we're not elevated at all um uh, you know the the top vineyards uh, in burgundy the grand cru vineyard you're probably looking at uh, anything between 220 what well, yeah 220 to say 300 uh, to 320 uh, meters of above sea level so okay. we're not there we're not that high mm-hmm. uh, but it just uh, it just it's just the position of it and uh, and you know and where it is situated it makes this, this, this light very very different mm-hmm. okay yeah and that suits perfectly the, the two noble grape variety that uh, that this region uh, grow and 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 it's chardonnay for white and pinot for red and then a little bit further south we've got gamay uh, for the beaujolais region right right okay and how about the the soil? Does that differ quite a bit from north to south? Yes, it does, uh, and that's uh, and that's the reason why we've, we we can probably uh, divide this this region in in very um, five sub region uh, from from north to south. Uh, Chablis um, has got a very very specific uh, terroir, which is we on Kimijian. 
uh, limestone. Which and just, we'll just on Shebley, so that sits a little bit out slightly right, so. out. Yes, yep. that's yep. right. There's a there's a little bit of a break uh, between uh, between Chablis and uh, and and the first vineyard uh, around uh, around Dijon, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which is the, the northern part of a of a Côte d'Or. So um, you got um, Chablis with uh, with this uh, very um, limestone from a, a Kimijian era, which we'll talk about that. Then we got the, the next subregion is the Côte d'Or, where we we we'll go the, we call the the, the Golden Slope, which is made up of Côte de Bonne and Côte de Nuit, where here we um, we've got a little bit of variation, but mainly uh, it's um, clay and limestone, uh, limestone from the Portalian era, which is very different to the one in Chablis. Then further south, uh, we've got the Côte Chalonnaise, uh, where uh, here we're going to get a little bit more towards the uh, the clay uh, uh, rather than limestone, but still limestone being present. Then uh, further south than that, we got the Maconnais, so near the town of uh, of Macon, around the beautiful hills of. Uh, of uh, of Puy-Vinzel and Puy-Fuissé. Uh, here again, we um, we are in very similar um, terroir than uh, than the, the Côte Chalonnaise, but because we are a little bit further south, the climate does play up a little bit more towards the Chardonnay, essentially. Uh, so a little bit more uh, ripeness that way. So the sun is have a, le- a larger impact. Uh, then in the in the in the north like the Côte d'Or, and finally we got Beaujolais, uh, Beaujolais where we very much uh, the top Beaujolais are very much on on granite soil. Okay, mm-hmm. so yes, to answer to your question, there are different terroir from north to south, which does uh, which does affect on the on on the style of wine, and then as further south you you're going, then obviously you're going to have a climate which is going to be a little bit warmer as we're going more towards the um, the Mediterranean. Um, so warmer climate, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how about the culture of the region and food? Is yeah, that's um, we are we are in a farming community here. They are farmers. Mm-hmm. We got to keep that in mind that the people are farmers. They they're not living in castles like in Bord- in Bordeaux. Or they're not, you know, they're not close to the. Um, German border like uh, like Alsace or, or or not close to the Mediterranean Sea. So we are very much uh, uh, again center of France and very much uh, a farming community. Rural, so yeah. very rural and and and. Funny enough, fungus is always the one who comes in mind when uh, when uh, when uh, we talk about the style of uh, of the food. Of uh, of uh, of Bordeaux and of of Burgundy, sorry, and um, and you know very um, very how would you say uh, classic? Um, I mean, we're talking the capital of a, of a French gastronomy in the in the Maconnais region, so we we're really in the cradle of a, of of a French um, of our French um, gastronomy, really. Yeah, and I mean they have their own chicken there as well. That's right. Burgundians, the breast chicken. That's breast, right. Breast chicken, Appalachian controlé. Appalachian um, control. Yeah. yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Blue feet. Blue feet. They right. got blue feet. Okay. A beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, chicken. Very expensive chicken. Yeah. Very expensive chickens. Yeah. Be good 50. football players with blue feet. <laughs> <laughs> Not so good. We today. won't go there. Not so good today. But um, yeah. So no, the gastronomy is uh, is. 
is um, it's simple but very tasty using a lot of uh, of land um, produce um, and um, and um, uh, yeah farming farming mm-hmm. it's a farming community so that's what you would expect yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so 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 um cheeses um sort of so um simple foods yeah not over prepared no mm. no not over prepared cheese of course we've got some of the most famous cheeses uh in in this part of uh, of france uh probably the most famous one would be Epois, uh this uh wash rinds cow's milk uh uh, cheese, uh, but we got also um, well, we got we got the Soumentrain, which is a wonderful uh, wonderful cheese. Ami du Chambertin, they are classic. Langres, another one, uh, very very classic uh, uh, Burgundian uh, cheeses. Gruyère, Gruyère mm-hmm. de Bourgogne, that's very famous. Uh, you know, we know the, the Gruyère from uh, from Switzerland and the, and and the Savoie region, but Gruyère is also present in uh, in uh, in Burgundy. So yeah, a lot of cheeses, um, um, cows, milk, mainly goats as well, but uh, mainly cows. Mm. Very good, very good gastronomy. Extremely good. Uh, probably my best, my m- one of my favorite actually. And and a typical dish to go with a Chablis and um, a Pinot. Well, of course, you got the famous Cocovin, which is uh, which comes from mm-hmm. the, the Burgundy region. The Boeuf Bourguignon, that's another uh, very famous dish mm. from that region. So that will go more for the for the red Chablis. Well, Chablis, we tend to um, to have it with uh, with seafood with. Uh, with uh, oysters, um, not that they they have oysters in in Chablis, but we got to remember that uh, this soil of Chablis is truffled. This limestone soil is truffled with tiny little seashell fossils and and oyster fossils, mm. and uh, so that's a very good match. What what do you match uh, Chablis with, uh, Mark? You you you're the big chef there. Oh. <laughs> I'd, uh Goat cheese is good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like Chablis with um, goat's cheeses. Yeah. Um, absolutely what you were saying. I think seafood is, is a natural match. Um, yeah. The weightier Chablis or Chablis with uh, a little bit of age on them probably can stand up to a, a beautiful chicken as well. Yes, very much so. Yeah, you're right. White yeah. meat, yes, yeah. very much. A veal or white veal, yeah. uh, pork, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I would think depending on the, the weight of the wine, because Chablis can vary quite a bit and, and they age magnificently well. Mm. I think mm. possibly as they, as they deepen um, with age, they probably suit... Um, the white meat's a little bit more. Okay, yeah. and that, that's probably worth noting, is it, that um, the the whites, the Chablis, do age particularly well for a white wine, which is, you know, not something that um, that's th- th- that a lot of us think about as, as mm. being a good aging wine. Mm. We've got to be careful because they do change dramatically and and it's not to everybody's taste, but... I think when you the, get the to wine change, changes a lot as it ages. Yeah, we'll 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 go through that. I think when we're going to talk Chablis, but mm. but if you like that style of a, you know, um, kind of a white truffle, um, 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 uh, kind of a rancio, a little bit characters, you know, like um, all butter kind of uh, characters. Um, they're, they're quite amazing. They're, mm. they're absolutely amazing. Yeah, nuttiness. Mm. Some, nut, you know, again, nuttiness. Some again, the earth. We we're talking some mushrooms. Well, we said white truffle. You know, that kind of thing. They're, yeah. they're quite amazing. But you, it's a required taste, isn't it? The quiet taste. Yeah, yeah. but um, in in terms of 
greatness in white wine that is still relatively affordable. Yes. Um, Chablis, Chablis is where you want to go. Um, when you start going to um, the Cote d'Or um, for the, uh, the, the white, uh, you know, the, the, around Pulini, um, the Grand Cru's around there are, are very, very dear indeed. Um, whereas Grand Cru Chablis, whilst expensive, is nothing less like expensive as the Grand, no. Grand Cru's of Pulini. No. It's, okay. uh, it's been, a, yeah, we'll have to talk about that uh, doing because uh, the pricing has been a, a big issue in Burgundy. And, and those are Chardonnays as well, the ones yes, you they just are. mentioned? Right. But yep. they're quite different style because I think it's warmer down there. It's going to be warmer. The soil is different. We're, we're talking Portelian uh, era, so limestone is different. And uh, yeah, mm, okay. Um, well, um, perhaps. Um, oh, is there anything about the history of of Burgundy that's that's uh, worth noting? I mean, um, we sort of talked about that quite monks. a bit with with Bordeaux. Oh yeah. I um, mean, the different influences down through the ages. Is there anything that's um, particularly unique to burgundy and oh i think it's uh, you know just to uh, re, you know to to say again about this uh, the, the life of the monks really mm-hmm. um, the you know before um before the uh, the french revolution uh, all the top top vineyard that today you got to pay you know four 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 five thousand dollars a bottle were owned by the by the church and uh, and and it's probably thanks to them that um, that we got Burgundy as Burgundy is today. Mm-hmm. So it's really uh, it's really thanks to these guys that um, that Burgundies were you know were so special. Okay. I think definitely. Um, so so history is pretty simple. It's it's all about um, it's all about um, church really. It's all yes, about well, the church and, and the church kept Western civilization going um, mm. through the Middle Ages. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, and um, and I think for the food as well, in in some uh, in some instance, the cheeses. Uh, you know, a very famous cheese that you can still buy today is called is made by the Abbey de Cito. The, the cheese is called Cito, um, which is a famous little abbey, which is still monks um, uh, working in this uh, monastery. And uh, and and so again, it's you know, it's dating back. This cheese was made in the 11th century. Mm. You know, mm. like they were, like their wines. You know, yeah. amazing. I, mean, I suppose it's a bit amazing. like that. The Trappist beers in Belgium as yep. well. Right. Yeah, similar idea. Similar right. idea. Exactly right. Yeah, but they taught they they taught themselves, mm-hmm. and they pass on, they passed on their 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 knowledge to generation and generation. Mm. It's mm. quite amazing, and that's what Burgundy is all about. There's no doubt. Yeah. And. Um, so we will look at all the regions, and yes. um, we probably will get um, to cover the balance of them in the in the next podcast. But why don't we stay with Chablis since it's um, up yeah, the top to idea. the north? Um, mm. So, uh, so Chablis is is known as the region for the wine. Yeah, it's quite interesting because it's uh, it's the name of a region, it's the name of a of a village, and it's the name of a wine as well. And and yet, when you go to Chablis, it's it's a nothing village, you know. It's mm. it, every time I take clients to Chablis and they look at me and say, "This is it? Are you you kidding me here? This is really Chablis?" <laughs> I say, "Yes, it's Chablis." You know, there's there's about you know four and a half thousand, or I don't think there's even four and a half thousand people living in it. It's probably about four thousand people. It's a tiny, tiny little village who uh, had uh, the very unfortunate. Um, um, time uh, at the end of a, uh, at the end of the Second World War when he was uh, bombarded for no reason actually um, by three or four 
German planes, and uh, and it was partially destroyed. So it's a, there's a little bit of a old, and there's a little bit of a new. So it's not the prettiest village. Uh, it's very small, very cute, very quaint. But what it is, it's it's surrounded by uh, some amazing uh, vineyard, you know. And mm-hmm. it, and and when I say surrounded, I really mean surrounded because I always compare. Um, you've been to Chablis? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, uh, well, that'd be that'd be good as well. Um, I always compare Chablis with the um, the the sink of a, a, a bathroom sink. But you know the the, the oval one. Yep. You know the, the oval sink, yeah. Mm-hmm. And where the plug is, this is the village, yeah. This is where the, the tiny little village, and and this is pretty much in in um, in scale with with what Chablis is. Okay, so you got this, uh, you know, where the plug is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tiny little thing, and then you got these big sides of uh, of uh, of a sink yeah and that's pretty much the vineyard of of, of chablis so in, uh, where it's oval it's obviously you got a little bit of a flat bit by the uh, by the by the plug uh, and that's uh, that's a little valley which is made by a tiny little river called the serin river Okay, S E R E I N. It's a tiny little river. It's nothing river, but it plays a very important part in the viticulture of, uh, of Chablis. And then on either side of this sink, you've got two opposite sides, of course. Yeah, and depending on where you are on that on that side, uh, you either on the Grand Cru side, okay, sides, or you are on the Grand the Premier Cru side, okay or the not-so-great side kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like anywhere else in, in Burgundy, and we'll talk more about that, um, if you are um, on the bottom of a, of a, of a hill, uh, you're on appellation village, okay? So plain Chablis, really. Uh, and a little bit further out of this valley, you even got Petit Chablis, okay? Then, as the slope goes... Up, you get the premier cru. Normally, halfway the hills in Burgundy, you own grand cru um, um, vineyards because there's a, a fantastic uh, balance uh, in the in the terroir. So between limestone and, and clay, also better exposure um, to the to the sun. Okay, and then above the grand cru, you normally have again premier cru. Okay, and then above Premier Cru, so when you start to go on a plateau kind of thing, then you back into Chablis and Petit Chablis. Okay, so imagine this sink there, and uh, if you are on the on the um, on the Grand Cru side, obviously why there's only one side which is Grand Cru? Well, because it's perfect exposition. Okay, and this is where you get the uh, wonderful. Um, a wonderful balance into this uh, limestone and, and, and clay. What we got to remember is that sink million years ago used to be underwater. Okay? And when the water um, went out, it left this amazing um, soil, this amazing terroir, which is this limestone soil, truffled by tiny little fossils, seashell fossils, and oysters mainly. And and that's what gives this unique taste to um, to the, to a, to a Chablis. It's one hundred percent Chardonnay. There's nothing else that grows 
in, in Chablis, in the appellation Chablis. You've got the classic appellation uh, system like in anywhere else in Burgundy. So you got Petit Chablis, appellation village, which is Chablis, Chablis Premier Cru, and Chablis Grand Cru. Okay, and uh, and um, uh, well, uh, if you if you very lucky to own some Grand Cru vineyard, then then obviously your wine commands higher, much higher prices than if you got land in in the Petit Chablis um, area. And and are they are they known as domains, um, not chateau or? Um. Mm. They are better known as domains, yeah. It's a yeah. There's there's a couple of chateaux, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's mainly domains. Mm -hmm. It's the domain of Louis Michel. So Louis Michel was the guy who started Louis Michel, you know, um, house kind of thing. Right, right, okay. But they are mainly families. Yep. Yeah, they are very much family businesses there. And um, it's worth noting, I suppose, particularly for us here in New Zealand, and what we understand of a Chardonnay. Um, a, a Chablis is quite different. Oh, very. Mark, you might want to uh, yeah, comment I mean, that because I, yes, that, that's right. Though I, I mean, I would like to say um, there are a couple of wines in New Zealand that I think I, I rate very highly, and they're they're not very expensive. Um, and immediately, the wine that comes to mind is the Kumia River Village Chardonnay, mm. which uh, has old oak, um, not mm. and, and, and very, mainly stainless steel. Um, um, it's very mineral driven, um, mm. and it, I imagine, blind next to some petite and regular Chablis, mm. it would it would show quite well, and it wouldn't feel completely out of place. Um, so, I mean, I think it's not a newsflash. Kumi River is one of the world's greatest oh, Chardonnay yeah, producers. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is a wine that harkens to the um, refers to the Chablis style. There was a uh, there was a while back where and they're still happening now where you could buy unoaked chardonnays um, coming out of New Zealand and there was a lot of talk about these being Chablisian style but I never really got that they were entirely too tropical for my liking mm. yeah so they were just because that's I suppose the the simplistic way of looking at it is that if it doesn't have a, have a lot of oak then it's Chablis style. But that's not necessarily true, is it? Well, uh, traditionally, Chablis doesn't have uh, oak. It's just because the fruit there doesn't handle oak that well because then uh, it just uh, denatured, I think, the, the style of Chablis. Chablis so yeah. so what, what, what do you think led, um, say, New Zealand winemakers to um, having a lot more oak with their Chardonnay? Well, because the the benchmark when when one thinks of the great white Burgundies, we're, we're looking at Chassagne Montrachet, uh, Cortin Charlemagne. These, mm. these 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 are these are extraordinary Chardonnays, which have everything in the kitchen sink thrown at them in a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, you know, they're expressive of the terroir, absolutely, but. Um, because they're they're such uh, regal wines, um, they are shown a lot of malolactic fermentation. They're shown a lot of oak. Um, mm. There is a lot of winemaker input, and whilst wine aficionados will look at those wines and see them fully expressive of the terroir, I, I imagine new world winemakers making a Chardonnay, they'll, they'll see 
all of the makeup around these ones say, well, I can buy this makeup too. Yeah. You know, we can, we can throw the malolactic, we can push the ripeness levels, the alcohol levels. We can, we can add the, the 200% Oak, what have you, the toasting of the Oak barrels. And, and so you'll, you'll get really heavily worked Chardonnays in the new world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a lot of them. A lot of them are extraordinary. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, um, denounce them or anything like that mm. but i think that's why when we think of chardonnay here in new zealand or australia or america we think of the big buttery numbers mm. Mm. and 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 chablis style is probably very hard to imitate anyway because that that uniqueness in the soul yeah the acid also the acid levels of the wines <sighs> yeah it's just uh it just when uh when you put the nose into a glass of chablis it's um it's quite easy to recognize i think it's mm. probably the easiest uh of the whites to recognize i think because it's uh it's definitely at this uh this iodine seashell chalkiness um tightness um laser like yeah. acidity and minerality really yeah. uh which is and yet, and yet, the wines are not weak. That's that's amazing yeah. stuff. Absolutely, you know. And the, and yet, the wine has texture in the middle. Is not mean and and lean. It's yeah. quite amazing, really. Yeah. But, mm. And Chablis, you know, it's. I mean, I'm a, I'm a completely freak on on Chablis, really. I, you know, I, I would drink only that because I quite like them, quite lean and mean. That's suppose, but that's that's for my wine. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite it's quite unique. Um, it, so Chardonnay in the region outside of Chablis. Yep, there's there are some. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some, but not that many. Um, uh, one of the best uh, region, just very close to Chablis, would be uh, Côte d'Auxerre. Uh, Auxerre being uh, this wonderful uh, city on the um, on the Yonne River, um, spelled A U. X E R R E and Côte d'Auxerre it's a is a wonderful appellation uh, misunderstood uh, in that part of the, of 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 the world for sure but, uh, but go some amazing uh, some amazing producer there uh, a little bit cheaper because uh, we got to um, mention but maybe about uh, the price so in New Zealand a petit chablis will start around the thirty dollars. And then a Chablis will be closer to $35. And then a Premier Cru will be more $45 to $55. And a Grand Cru will be $95 to $130. A Côte d'Auxerre, you probably can get a, a very good Côte d'Auxerre for around the $30. So the same, um, same level as a Petit Chablis. But, so that's some, 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 there are some other regions. But the, the most recognized one would be, uh, would be, um, would be the Côte d'Auxerre. Mm. Very close, and that, and that will be part of uh, of what we call the the bassin chablisien, so which which um, which is close to Chablis and will make a similar style. And Chardonnay again, mm. and Pinot if it's uh, some Pinot. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I mean, listening to um, Jean Christophe talk about the price range of these wines, and I actually have seen Petit Chablis in the low twenties as well. Mm. Um, mm. You look at that that range from let let's let's call it. Twenty-four dollars to one hundred and thirty-five, hundred and forty dollars. Mm. That's actually the price range that um, fine New Zealand Chardonnays are inhabiting now. Mm. Yeah. So, whilst you know one could say one hundred and forty dollars is a lot of money for any wine, um, I actually think Chablis, 
for the the quality that's coming out of that region um, and the greatness that you can you can get from that region is is well priced. Yes, um, and you know, and obviously, I think that uh, New Zealand can bear the price that they're starting to charge for their their great wines as well. Pyramid, right. Pyramid Valley Chardonnays are one hundred and forty dollars now. So, mm. I yeah, I think um, mm. I think that's a that's a, a, a really great aspect of Chablis that you can get greatness from France um, uh, in a unique style that's not successfully emulated anywhere else mm. and it's still a reasonable wine yeah. and, and with the ageing um, do you get years then that are sought after for Chablis for cellaring like you do with with reeds, uh, yeah, very much so. Like mm-hmm. uh, like uh, anywhere else in Burgundy, um, the the uh, the vintage is um, is is essential um, uh, to know um, if it's a wine which uh, which will be uh, worth uh, putting in the cellar or not. Uh, and I think that you got to ask the, you know your friendly uh, wine merchant to um, to see what he would he would recommend. But uh, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, Chablis, Chablis like Burgundy, like Pinot, like like Burgundy Red doesn't like heat, so you need uh, you need uh, a year where it was uh, it was um, uh, cooler rather than hotter because uh, because Chablis doesn't suit uh, very ripe Chardonnays at all, mm. Mm. Uh, and um, and um, aging aging potential uh, in a Grand Cru in a top year. 20 years I try some 20 years old uh, Chablis and we still find uh, Grand Cru Chablis sorry uh, a, no, a, a Chablis in a, in a very good year 5 years no trouble and the, and the premier cru in the, in the, in, the twi- in the tens tends to even uh, right. 15 yeah. so they, right. do, they do age well uh, they're, quite, they're quite hardy as well they're not uh, they're not too um, too um, pussy I think they're just uh, you know they're quite they, they, they handle quite well they uh, um, for a white, I think they, they quite, they're handling quite well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And good. wonderful food wine. Well, um, I think that's a good place to wind up this uh, mm. podcast. So thank you, gentlemen, both very much. And uh, we'll be back with you shortly for part two on Burgundy. Thanks. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Jean-Christophe Poisard and Mark today in part one of our look at the Burgundy region in France. If you'd like to hear more, just check us out online, the New Zealand Wine Podcast, and also while you're there, check out some of the other great podcasts on podcast.nz. Be sure to check in shortly to listen to part two, and shortly after that, part three of the Burgundy region in France. Thanks for listening. Hey, Kona mai. Bye for now. <laughs>